everyone, and welcome to Living Healthy and Aging Well. My name is Ken Hagland, and we are broadcasting from the AM950 radio station that overlooks beautiful Bryant Lake Regional Park, located in Eden Prairie, Minnesota. I am so grateful to be here with you today, and I hope all of you listening are doing well. We are on the air every Saturday from noon to one to talk about your health and your life. We cover a wide range of topics to help you and your loved ones improve and enjoy your quality of life. I want to thank all of you that leave us messages on our radio show phone line. We appreciate hearing from you, and we welcome your comments, questions, and topics for future shows. Also, if you are interested in being a guest on our radio show, please call or text us at 612-999-3426. You can also contact us on our website at livinghealthyradio.com. There you can find information about upcoming guests as well as listen to our previous shows. And we look forward to hearing from you. We are adding new listeners to the show each week, and we are very grateful for that, not only here in the Twin Cities of Minnesota, but also throughout the country. You can find podcasts for all of our radio shows on the AM950 radio website, and we can also be found on iTunes, Spotify, SoundCloud, and many other podcast and streaming services. You can also watch our broadcast live on the radio station's Facebook page at AM950 Radio. We have another great show for you today. In a few minutes, I'll be talking with Joan Soames. She is a retired emergency room nurse with 40 years of experience. And she's going to share ways that we can help make our driving a little safer. Joan has received a grant from the Minnesota Department of Transportation Office of Traffic Safety to improve the safety of our aging drivers across the state as well as decrease the number of crashes, injuries, and deaths involving her fellow seniors. Joan has been working with law enforcement and seniors over the last three years, and she'll describe some ways of age, how aging affects our driving skills and actions we can take to counteract those changes. She will also talk about a cognitive screening tool that law enforcement and everyone else can use to identify when a driver of any age is not safe to get behind the wheel, and options to consider when you are concerned about someone's driving due to physical or thinking capability, sometimes seen with aging. Joan is a member of the Minnesota Emergency Nurses Association, whose website contains a safe driving page and a list of many resources related to older driver safety and can be found at at www.minnesotaena.com. I am looking forward to my conversation with Joan today. She is very passionate about what she is doing to help us all out. If you have a question for Joan today, there are two ways to reach us. First, you can call the AM950 radio station and our friendly show engineer, Dan, will get your call on the air. That number is 952-946-6205. Once again, 952-946-6205. Or you can directly text us your question at 612-999-3426. Now, don't worry. 
If you missed those numbers, I'll repeat them throughout the show. And also, please don't wait till the show's ended to call or text us your questions. We often receive many of the same questions after the show has ended. If you have a question, many others do as well, so please contact us. We look forward to hearing from you today. All right. I want to welcome my special guest today, Joan Soames. She is a retired emergency room nurse with 40 years of experience, and she's here to share ways that will help make our driving a little safer. Welcome to the show, Joan. Well, thank you, Ken, and thank you so much for having me come and talk a little bit about how we change as we age and how it affects our driving. Well, very, very important, and uh, there's just there's so much to unpack here during the show. So, um, in fact, i got to have you back. I would love to hear your experiences over 40 years of being an emergency nurse. I'm sure there's a lot of amazing stories for there's you to share. Probably some I can't share. And, and, and probably many you can't share. Um, but it has nothing uh, to do with HIPAA. But no, <laughs> right, right. But I am um, so fortunate that during the week I get a chance to work with an amazing, amazing group of nurses and I uh, just love them. And uh, so I just have so much appreciation for the work that you and all the other nurses do um, in our professions. All right. Okay. Before we jump into this great conversation, tell us about yourself maybe your professional background, and then what inspired you to pursue your current life's work? Oh, boy. <laughs> uh, so as, as you mentioned, um, I worked in the emergency department for 40 years. I worked in yeah. two different emergency rooms. One was a small one in South St. Paul where I saw a lot of younger patients. And then in 1994, that hospital closed, and they moved me to St. Joe's Hospital in downtown St. Paul. And up until that point, I guess I would say my image, my stereotypical image as a young t- nurse was that old people were old in, in the nursing home. <laughs> and so one of the very first shifts, I went out to the uh, lobby area to bring a patient in. And the fellow that was there had this obviously just broken badly arm. He was 82 years old. And when he stood up, I said, how did you do that? He said, sliding into base. (laughs) And it turned out he was part of a seniors uh, softball tournament. And there were all these old guys there. And I suddenly realized that um, you don't have to be in a nursing home when you're older. And I totally had forgotten my grandparents were old like that, too. But um, ultimately, I became very interested in older adults and uh, Just the passion got bigger and bigger because I took care of so many of them and saw the vibrancy that they had, but saw the problems that they had as well. And ultimately, just different things, different ways things played out. I ended up on the National Emergency Nurses Association um, committee that we dealt with geriatrics. Uh, I helped to develop the geriatric emergency nurse education course that we gave across the um, whole United States. We gave it in person. Uh, One of the fun things about that is that course is still being presented. It's now been turned into a virtual course, and people are still learning the same thing that we did then. Uh, A second thing that happened was one of the people on the committee with myself, and I said, you know what, we have a journal of emergency nursing, and there's nothing in there that points out what happens as we age and how we need to adjust what happens. Because one of the things we know is that 
as we age, and and I say myself too, because I'll admit I'm 70, so you guys can picture this, you know, oh, she doesn't look 70, but she is, (laughs) and all of the joint aches that go with it. But we have physical changes that occur to us. We have cognitive changes or how we process things changes. And and a lot of the education we have taking care of uh, in healthcare, taking care of people, don't take that into account. So my um, my partner and I, we decided to go to the Journal of Emergency Nursing and say, we need a section on geriatrics. And they said, sounds like a good idea. So for, I think I counted it out, it's been like the last 12 or 13 years we have published. And, and now it's more typically myself because my partner has retired. Um, but we publish an article, every journal um, that comes out, all totally related to older adults. Um, my most recent one just came out in November, and it was how to set up a program to help older drivers be safer. So um, I'm hoping to get some good feedback on that. But ultimately, just kept expanding. Uh, the, the next thing that happened was the Towards Zero Death in Minnesota group approached right. us uh, as emergency nurses and said, we seem like we have a, a passion that's the same. Would you like to get involved with us? And I, I said, I'll go, and I'll, t- I'll be, be involved with Towards Zero Death. Um, the idea of Towards Zero Death in Minnesota is to decrease the number of fatalities on Minnesota roadways to zero. Uh, we had a kind of a hiccup in 2020, but um, we're working on it again. We were doing really very well. My focus related to that actually is the older driver or the aging driver. Um, then we found out about the grant that was available. The, and uh, as um, Minnesota emergency nurses, we are a 501c3 organization, and we applied for the grant. It's a, a NHTSA grant, if people are familiar with the, the concept of NHTSA. And ultimately, um, I have been doing the primary work for the last, I'm, a, I'm now in my fourth year, of looking at how do I decrease older driver injuries and fatalities on the road, or more importantly, how do I make everybody safe? And so it's kind of like it, it snowballed. It's like I went from working in the emergency department, loving to take care of older patients, becoming one myself now, <laughs> and um, then looking at how can I reach out into the community. And A, I'm, I'm learning I need to increase awareness about the changes, the physical changes, the, the cognitive changes. And then um, what can we do to make that person safer right now, as well as how can we make them safer in the future? So I kind of have a two-armed approach to what's going on. So I don't know. Is that a lot of answer for no, a short question? No, 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 no. Our, our, audience, our audience loves to learn about what drives a person. You know, what is your why? Why do you get up in the morning and do what you do? I mean, you could retire, but you got so much information. <laughs> and, and again, you have such a passion for others, and that's one of the, the beautiful things about our nurses, especially in Minnesota. Here, just they are so committed to helping others live a better life, and uh, this is really important because I've had the uh, the state demographer's office on, and they said for the first time in our history, we're going to have more people population-wise, over 65, than we will 18 and under. You're exactly right. And you know what? It's shifting. The crash data actually reflects we have more seniors 
being involved in crashes than those under That's 18. Right. That's right. Yeah. Well, we'll, we'll, next segment, we'll pick up more on that. It's time for a short break. We'll be right back to continue our conversation with Joan Soames, a retired emergency room nurse with 40 years of experience, and she's here today to share ways that will help make our driving a little safer. If you have a question for Joan, please give us a call, 952-946-6205, or text us at 612-999-3426. I'm Ken Hagland, and you are listening to Living Healthy and Aging Well. All right, welcome back, folks. You are listening to Living Healthy and Aging Well, where we talk about improving your health and quality of life. My name is Ken Hagland, and joining me today here in the main studio of AM950 is Joan Soames, a retired emergency room nurse with 40 years of experience. And she's here today to share a strong passion of hers about helping us all make driving a little safer. And we're talking about how aging affects our driving skills and actions we can take to counteract those changes, including a cognitive screening tool that we'll talk about here uh, later in the show that law enforcement and anyone else can use to help identify when a driver of any age may not be safe to get behind the wheel and then options to consider when you are concerned about someone's driving due to physical or thinking capabilities sometimes seen with aging. If you have a question for Joan, please give us a call, 952-946-6205, or text us at 612-999-3426. Now, Joan, we referenced that the website in the first segment, and is that the best place people can go to get more information about what resources there are for older drivers? Oh, that's a great question. It's one of many places that um, you can get information. Um, As I mentioned earlier, I'm associated with the Towards Zero Death organization, which is a statewide organization, and they also have an older driver page that includes a lot of that same information. Um, If someone wanted to find information AARP, they haven't paid me any money to give them. <laughs> they, have, they have it. AAA has um, information. Uh, there is a, a group out there or an organization out there called Chorus, and I cannot remember what it exact, exactly stands for, but it, it's like a clearinghouse of older driver information as well, C-H-O-R-U-S. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I don't know the website any better yeah. than that. But ultimately, if you go to our Minnesota ENA webpage, it does have the links to those different things, as well as the Towards Zero Death page has the um, the links to them. So um, okay. there's a lot of information yeah. out there. And if, if somebody just Googled older driver safety, it's becoming, I hate to say the end thing, but it's mm. becoming more... Uh, um, okay to talk about it, I guess is the best word. It used to be kind of one of those things nobody wanted to talk about. It was like they'd put their fingers in their ears and go, la, 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 la. I don't want to talk about it. I know somebody, but I don't want to talk about it. And people are realizing safety is something we need to all work on. And that's why um, I just love to go out and be able to increase awareness that as we age, there are things that happen to us. And how do we recognize those? And what can we do about them? Right. Well, so so Minnesota... Uh, ENA.com is the resource that we're focused on today a bit. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, and there is a lot of great resources out there. Um, you know, one of the things that I think as I look back over the years, uh, just the area of geriatrics has, has been 
you know, not the primary focus for you know, our healthcare system in a sense. Um, and so, you know, you having that background of, of actually treating and working with the geriatric population, our senior population, you know, gave you some insight into that. But I think they've been kind of neglected as a group of people to a certain extent. And that's why I think some of the topics that we've just talked about, uh, as well as off the air, um, is that we need to be more open to helping our seniors understand how they can maintain that independence. It's not about taking away. It's about helping empower them to accommodate uh, the changes that they're having. And and I think some, I I was watching uh, your video um, on the uh, Minnesota ENA website, and you were saying that some of, as we age and as we lose certain capabilities, it almost is reflective of a person driving under the influence, um, where they're they're just they're slow to react, slower to react to things, and may not be seeing things as well. Um, and I know the statistics bear that out, and you've got a sheet here full of statistics that shows that you know a growing portion of accidents and fatalities is among our seniors. Exactly right. Yeah. Um, when I looked at last year's crash data here in Minnesota. Um, it was it saddened me to find out that twenty nine percent of the people that died on Minnesota roads last year were over the age of sixty five. Wow. That was um, and if if you need, you know, what does twenty nine percent mean? How about if I tell you it was one hundred and forty three of our wow. seniors died because of car crashes? And, and this the um, kind of weird part related to that statistic is that um, that's not the numbers that are injured. So how many right. were injured? And I can't get last year's data related to injuries yet because they're still processing all of those numbers and looking at it. But ultimately, we do know that once we hit 65, and not everybody's frail and fragile and, and decrepit when we're 65, right. but as we get older and older, and especially by the time we get 85, we find that even being involved in a minor crash is enough to disable someone so that they can no longer function independently, or even worse, uh, often it leads to death. Mm -hmm. The really interesting part to me is that someone who does not die within the first month after the crash, their death doesn't count in these statistics. So an older adult who gets involved in a crash um, breaks maybe a major bone like their pelvis Mm -hmm. or their femur bone, um, or they break like a big shoulder, some chest um, f- injuries, ultimately may ja- die, you know, a month and a half later because of a pneumonia. They died as the result of the crash, but um, it doesn't reflect in our data. So anything I can do to help someone be safer behind the wheel, I'm going to do because ultimately it's not that I don't want to take care of patients. I did retire from the air, but all my friends are still there helping take care of anyone who comes in. But we would rather not see you in the emergency department for anything. We would rather you to be healthy and well and out moving around. Um, We know the way people are out there right now. We're guaranteed a job for the rest of our lives as long as we want it. Oh, yeah. Well, just those stats that almost three people per week are dying here. It's seniors. And it's not just because, I mean, hundreds of people die a year in Minnesota alone for with car accidents. So it's, uh, I mean, it's, it's a... And again, we just we want to make sure we we help people understand there's ways to be safer as you get older. Exactly. Yeah. And and it's important that uh, that family and loved ones engage in conversations mm-hmm. with them. And there's there's uh, we can talk about this uh, in a little while, but 
There, there's ways to help people get rehabilitated or help them uh, understand maybe what accommodations or adjustments they need to make exactly. to stay safe and to keep everybody yeah. safe on the road. Exactly, because, yeah, there's always, we call it the wake effect. Um, what's happening behind that senior driver who's not driving well? So <laughs> right. we don't even know what those numbers are. <laughs> That's true, and I see that happen. All right, it's time for a short break, folks. We'll be right back to continue our conversation with Joan Soames, a retired emergency room nurse with 40 years of experience. She's here today to share ways that will help make our driving a little safer. And we're talking about how the aging affects our driving skills and actions we can take to counteract those changes. If you have a question for Joan, please give us a call, 952-946-6205, or text us your question at 612-999-3426. I'm Ken Hagland, and you are listening to Living Healthy and Aging Well. Right, folks, welcome back. You are listening to Living Healthy and Aging Well, where we talk about improving your health and quality of life. My name is Ken Hagland, and joining me today is Joan Soames, uh, an amazing person. She is a retired emergency room nurse with 40 years of experience, and she's here today to share ways that will help make our driving a little safer. And we're also talking about how aging affects our driving skills and actions we can take to counteract those changes, including a cognitive screening tool that law enforcement and anyone else can use to help identify when a driver of any age may not be safe to be behind the wheel. So we're going to talk about that. It's called DOSI, and we'll talk about that here in a few minutes. But before we return to our conversation with Joan, I want to mention that this radio show is brought to you in part each week by Minnesota Hospice. Minnesota Hospice is an independent, locally owned medical practice serving our Twin Cities communities with innovative and comprehensive end-of-life health care. The team at Minnesota Hospice has been providing patients and family members with award-winning end-of-life health care services. Hospice brings compassionate medical, social, emotional, and spiritual services to your home with no cost to you or your family. Please do not wait to learn how hospice care can benefit you and your loved ones. If you have any questions regarding end-of-life care or support, please contact the caring team of experts at Minnesota Hospice. They are available to answer your questions 24 hours a day, 7 days a week. Their phone number is 952-898-1022. Once again, their phone number 952 898 1022 or visit them online at minnesotahospice.com so just remember folks there are trained nurses that answer the phone 24 hours a day seven days a week if you have any questions regarding end-of-life care and uh, believe me people wait way too long to get information about how hospice care can help them and their loved one so give them a call 952-898-1022 all right, let's continue our conversation with Joan Soames. So um, we have such great conversation off the air. I wish people could listen to that. Um, no, but just uh, great, great information here. Um, what was fascinating to me is that there is a really nice um, questionnaire that people can use and law enforcement has been, been trained to use, and, and mm-hmm. uh, you've been very, very – uh, uh, helpful in in making our law enforcement aware of how to uh, interact with uh, seniors 
and um, it's called DOSI. It's a, it's a, it's like nine questions, right? Exactly. And, and so um, we'll just walk through that here. And it's something that uh, not only law enforcement uses, but but family members or anybody can use to help get a sense if a person really is really capable of getting behind the wheel and driving independently. So maybe you could tell us what does DOSI stand for? <laughs> Doesn't sound like it's a dance or something right. we should a be doing. doing. Yeah. Yes. So so DOSI actually stands for a driver orientation screen for cognitive impairment. And when I first got the grant to work on older driver safety, I did some research to find out what would be an what would be a good quick fix turns out there's no quick fix, but there was a, a quick way to make sure that if there was an older driver on the road that wasn't safe driving at that time, uh, this screen was exactly perfect. Uh, University of California, San Diego, uh, initially put it together. They researched it, so it's evidence-based. And ultimately what it consists of is nine questions that uh, law enforcement, and this is who's currently using it in Minnesota, but as you said, Ken, anybody can certainly use right. it. It's so simple. They wanted something that they could do at the roadside and that it was very quick and it was very safe mm-hmm. because they certainly didn't want to be spending a lot of time doing a bunch of other things. So ultimately if they find someone who's driving uh, unsafely, they will, you know, put the red lights on and they will pull the person over. And once they rule out that the person is intoxicated or is having a, an urgent medical condition, they will somehow work into the conversation and ask that person their date of birth, their full home address, the state that they're in, the city or town that they're in, what time it is without them looking at their watch. And I think they need to change it to without looking at your cell phone anymore. Oh, that's true. What day of the week it is and then uh, what the date is. And, and uh, the date one actually counts for 7 through 9 and we're allowed to prompt the person. What we find is that someone who has uh, dementia or is cognitively impaired typically can do their date of birth okay, but they don't always give the right address because they give an old, an old address. address, because they don't remember the new address. They may or may not know where they actually are. And I've had law enforcement officers contact me and say, when we started putting this into use, we were finding some of these drivers that truly did not know where they were, where they were going, where they had been, what day it was, or things like that. Now, some of you, when I got down to the point about without um, looking at your watch what time it is, well, maybe you knew by what how hungry you were, and you may or may not have known what day it is. Uh, I, and I will honestly admit, I have to sit down and think, what did I watch on TV last night so I know what day of the week it is? I know my Mondays and my Thursdays the best. And the date is really tough. But the good news is uh, you don't have to get them all correct. Uh, cognitively intact people will uh, get all but one or two correct. So if you don't know the date, you're still safe. And the idea is that if you get behind the wheel, you will most likely be able to follow the rules of the road and make good decisions. What we find happen is the less cognitively intact the person is, the less able they are to absorb all of that information, the cars coming at you, the, the lights, the, the um, stop signs, the, the road signs and everything. And all of a sudden it becomes just this big jumble and, and they can't react to what the information is or it takes them a long time. And then after they process it, it even takes them longer to respond, like take their foot off of the gas and put it on the brake or things like that. So the person who is getting all but one or two answers correct 
they're probably still able to process all that information. They may be a little slower, but they're still fairly safe behind the wheel. If they're getting three or four of those answers wrong, uh, it may be the situation, especially if law enforcement has just pulled them over or the person is in um, a crazy traffic situation or what's going on. And right at that particular moment, they're probably not safe behind the wheel. And what law enforcement has been asked to do is say, you know what, let's have you not get back behind the wheel. Let's get you home right now and let's reevaluate the situation. What they did find uh, when the University of California, San Diego did the evidence on it, they found if someone was consistently getting five or more of the answers wrong, they're probably not only confused right now, they're probably always confused. And these are the people who, with muscle memory, can get behind the wheel, get the car started, back out of the driveway, and get driving. And when they come to a situation that's not routine, and and I use the example of how many times have people gotten in their car and driven home from work and not remembered getting home because the muscles in their body did all of the driving. Well, what happens is if something weird happens, like a dog runs in front of the car or there's a detour or something, you pay attention and you react to it. Well, these folks are not able to do that in a manner. And the recommendation to law enforcement is not only do they um, get that person off from the road, get them home safely. And I've had mm-hmm. several of uh, law enforcement have contacted me from, and it's the entire state. I've got law enforcement everywhere across the state. There's almost, I want to say about 100 agencies now, which I think is a wow. pretty good thing for a program that's only three years old. But they say we find someone and, and we realize we need to get them off the road. We need to get them home. We need to have them reevaluated. And often that's enough of a, um, a, a push to get the family going, oh, we need to make them safe. Uh, sometimes they will actually give us citation, that's enough of a a red flag that if law enforcement then requests that this person be reevaluated by the driver vehicular services folks or DVS, um, they... um, they will go ahead and have that person reevaluated. But ultimately, this is a tool that any of us can use to determine if this person is safe behind the wheel or not. And it's like it's not an automatic you know, if you say, oh, let's not let them drive right now, let's get them home safely, at least it gets them home safe. Mm-hmm. And it's not an automatic loss of license. It's just a let's reevaluate the situation and see what's going on with this person. Mm-hmm. In, in your video, you talked about a lot of times um, a person can maybe fail the dosi test because they're on medications or oh, they're tired mm-hmm. or – uh, there's there's a number of reasons why they may fail it, and it's it's not a it's not a a consistent thing. It's just a maybe situational. a one time a situation, yeah. very yeah. good situational, and so this is not um, and, and the. And the, the law enforcement's not, not out there to try to take people's license nope. away from them. No, they, they're scared they're, to do that too. <laughs> right, right, right. So, so there's, there's a, there is a process mm-hmm. that would happen that families can, can be involved with that can help, help a person get clarity on their ability to drive. Um, and you, know, you mentioned the, the rehab um, or options there. Do you want to talk a bit about what a person's process would be to try to get, make sure that they are safe 
sure, in terms sure. of driving and having sure. maybe some you know occupational therapy or whatever help with exactly, that process. Yeah. So there's two ways. One is is definitely you could simply go to the uh, if if, you're, if if you want to put the fault on somebody else, you can go to DVS <laughs> and you could have that person re reevaluated for driving and have them retested for licensing and licensure for driving. That's always kind of like the hard core way to do it. The other way is that if you're concerned is your local occupational therapist can often do an evaluation of the person and see if they actually have the physical or cognitive skills to kind of do normal activities of daily living. And if they're still not exactly sure, there is actually a special type of occupational therapist called the driving rehab specialist person who does a full cognitive assessment, who can do a full physical assessment, who can do a full driving assessment. Uh, They look at the drugs that that person is taking that may be affecting what their medications are. Um, It's Insurance-wise, sometimes insurance will cover it. It covers better if a physician has requested these evaluations because it's now a a medical order. Mm -hmm. And the occupational therapy component is more... I got to be careful. I say this; I'll, I'll sound like a dummy. It's more better covered. No, <laughs> it's it's better coverage that way. And I also want to be careful to make sure I don't have somebody going out saying, "Well, the lady on the radio said." <laughs> but it, you know, so it depends upon your insurance. But ultimately, yeah. a lot of insurances will actually cover these evaluations. If you pass, or if the driver passes the driving rehab specialty um, or specialist evaluation, it, it's not a guarantee that they're going to continue to drive safely. And if um, law enforcement still puts in the request for examination, DVS could still take the the license away. But typically, that's not the goal. The goal in Minnesota is to keep people driving and driving safely. And uh, there's always about six hoops to jump through before your license can get pulled permanently. Now, sometimes they'll temporarily take it away. The really cool part is our DVS person can um, make recommendations about driving. We can talk about that when we come back. Let's talk about that in the next segment here. It's time for a short break, folks. We'll be right back to continue our conversation with Joan Soul. If you have a question for Joan, please call us, 952-946-6205, or text us at 612-999-3426. I'm Ken Hagland, and you're listening to Living Healthy and Aging Well. Folks, you are listening to Living Healthy and Aging Well, where we talk about improving your health and quality of life. My name is Ken Hagland, and joining me today is Joan Soames, a retired emergency room nurse with 40 years of experience, and she is sharing ways that will help make our driving a little safer, and also talking about how aging affects our driving skills and actions we can take to counteract those changes, including cognitive screening tool that the law enforcement and anybody else can use to help identify when a driver of any age may not be safe to get behind the wheel. So it's uh, been a fascinating show here. We only have one more segment, folks. So if you have a question for Joan, give us a call, 952-946-6205, or text us 
at 612-999-3426. All right, we've been um, also referencing the website minnesotaena.com. So uh, minnesotaechonovemberalpha.com. And uh, so we're going to get back into it here with Joan. Um, let's talk about let's talk about uh, ways to, that we can impact safe driving. You've got again with so many things here that we can talk about, Joan. We've got to have another show, but let's talk about those those factors um, that uh, can impact safe driving. Okay. Well, I think if if you want to. Think of four things that typically mm-hmm. will affect your driving, and we've alluded to a couple of them. One of them is just simply the cognitive changes. Mm-hmm. I mean, as we get older, our brains work a little bit more slowly. It takes us a little longer to process things. Even to get the information in takes a little bit more. Our vision is less. Our our, eyes, our, our hearing is less. In fact, a lot of us even um, think about maybe I shouldn't drive at night because our vision isn't as good right. in the evening when we go along. So there's the cognitive changes that take place. Just simply the processing of that information is huge. There's the physical changes. As we get older, um, we can exercise all we want. That will help to prevent some of the muscle weakness, but our, our joints get creaky and our bones get creaky and we get a little bit weaker. We don't move as well. We can't look to see if somebody's coming on the, the driver's side or the passenger side. We don't twist in our vehicles as well. So there's physical changes that we see. There are medical changes that happen as we age. Um, some of us develop high blood pressure or diabetes or um, heart problems or things like that, uh, Alzheimer's is, you know, one of those ones that can lead to cognitive impairment. But ultimately, we develop medical problems that will affect our our driving and make us not as safe as we are out there. And then to go with that is the medications that we take. And a lot of people recognize the fact that some medications can make you sleepy and you shouldn't drive with that. In fact, the little pill bottle usually says, don't drive with this medication. (laughs) But there's a lot of medications uh, that also affect your ability to drive safely, including blood pressure medicines and uh, medications for your diabetes. And, and other medications similar to that, uh, if you're on depression medications or um, any of those different ones. I mean, I could go on and on and on. And I know mm-hmm. we don't have a lot of time, but ultimately, medications, um, medical problems, cognitive problems, and physical problems make us less effective as a driver. And what we do know is that by the time we start getting into the 70s and the 80s, we do not drive as safely and as effectively. We're not as mobile as we can. We can't keep track of everything. And we need to start taking some kind of little things we might want to do to make ourselves a little bit safer as we do get driving. When, as you mentioned, some people just don't feel comfortable driving at night. Yeah. So they just make their errands and do their things during the day. And exactly. sometimes there's there's less traffic even when you do things between 9 and 3, <laughs> you know, avoid the rush hours. Um, and, again, even weather conditions, they, they say, no, I'm not going to drive because it's, it's just either you know, too rainy, slippery, snowy, icy. And dark. So, <laughs> right, and dark. Yeah, right, right. But let's, let's, in the few minutes we have left here, I want to talk about car fit. Yeah. Because that's an important element that you brought up that I had never thought about. Oh, yeah. And, and that's kind of one of the seven things. I say there's seven things we should do. One is plan ahead. Yep. And one is ask yourself, are you safe to drive? And two is exercise your muscle. Limit your distractions. And then correctly adjust your seat belt and your car seat and your mirrors. And that's part of the car fit program. And car fit is exactly that. We want you to fit in your vehicle 
vehicle correctly. And what we have found frequently is that folks do not have their seat adjusted correctly. They don't have their side mirrors as well as their rearview mirror. They don't have the steering wheel adjusted correctly. And if you see the opportunity to attend a car fit program, now it's a little harder in Minnesota in the winter because what we actually have you do is drive your vehicle up into the appointment and then the technician will go through a 12-point check sheet to make sure that you're putting your seatbelt on correctly, to make sure that you're far enough away from your steering wheel so that you don't have an injury, to make sure your, your steering wheel is tilted the correct direction, make sure that you've got your mirrors adjusted correctly, to make sure you look over your steering wheel instead of through, through your it. steering yes. wheel. Exactly. And um, our goal there is never to say you can't drive, but it's to look at the safety features involved in your vehicle. This was a program developed by the American Occupational Therapy Association, but they let the emergency nurses be part of the group. And so I'm actually not only a carpet technician, but I can, um, I'm an event coordinator. So I can set up carpet events. The challenge, like I said, is in the winter, you have to drive your vehicle in and it's outside. And we just did one in St. Cloud and it was snowing when we were doing it. We all had like 14 layers of clothing and bundle and it's really hard (laughs) to do this. But ultimately, if if someone sees the opportunity to go to CarFit and see how well they fit in their vehicle and be evaluated. It's a teaching type thing. The other thing I would say is do your safety classes. Uh, We all know that there's those insurance ones out there. They teach you a lot of good safety things that we can do in order to be a good driver. So it's not to take licenses away. It's to be safer and continue to be as independent independent as long as possible when they're out driving. And that's our goal is to to help people be safe. Right, right. Yeah, I I know I've seen these beautiful uh, senior ladies, you know, small ladies <laughs> driving these massive sedans, oh, yeah. you know, that they probably had, you know, for for you know, a long time. They kept yeah. really good care of it, yeah. and and you can barely see them over the driver's door, let let alone the steering wheel. I'm thinking, how in the world are you able to navigate? Exactly. And they probably aren't doing it safely. And the crazy part is between CarFit, which almost always has an occupational therapist there, or going and seeing an occupational therapist, there are things we can do to adjust that car so they fit better. Sometimes they actually need to be boosted. Sometimes they need to bring the seat up. Some of the new cars actually do raise up. And the biggest problem we found is often the seat is set for the husband and not the wife who's like half as tall as the husband and she doesn't adjust the seat. They really need to have position one, position two, and they don't um, do that because they're afraid to adjust the seat. Well, that goes to the topic we talked about off off the air, technology. Sometimes these cars now have so much technology and it can be confusing. Well, Joan, the music is cueing us <laughs> oh out here. We, we've got to have you back to talk more about this because this is such an important thing. As our baby boom generation goes into our senior living years, yeah. we want to keep everyone independent and keep them safe. Exactly right. Thanks right. so much for having me. Let right. me talk about it. Yes, thank you so much. Uh, I want to thank Joan Soames, a retired emergency room nurse with 40 years of experience for sharing ways that will help make our driving a little safer and how aging affects our driving skills. So thank you so much, Joan, for that. We sure appreciate that. If you have any uh, questions, you can go to the MinnesotaENA.com website. A lot of resources there to help you in this area. Uh, we hope you enjoyed today's show. Please contact us with any questions or comments you have regarding today's conversation. You can reach us anytime by voice or text, 612-999-3426. Please join us again next week 
for another show on Living Healthy and Aging Well, where we talk about your health and your life. Until next time, choose to live well.